Welcome to the Two Peas and the Pod podcast, where the Two Peas stand for two pharmacists. I'm your host, Chi, aka Percocet Poppy, and I'm here with my co-host, Deb, aka Morphine Mommy. And we're here to find the ways to alleviate the aches and pains of everyday adulting. While remembering that laughter is always the best medicine. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode two, titled Real World Blues. Now, before we get into it, we're going to kick off our first segment titled Pop That P. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Don't stop. Pop that P. Okay, so today's topic is the Lovers and Friends Music Festival. A.K.A. the Black Fire Fest. <laughs> so, if you guys don't know what the Lovers and Friends Music Festival is, it's a festival in L.A. on May 9th, Saturday, thrown by Golden Voice, who is also... Um, the promoters for Coachella, uh, Camp Flognaw, which is Tyler, the Creators Festival. And some of the acts that they have on here is Lauren Hill, Usher, Ludacris, TLC, Meg The Stallion, Brandy, Monica, Genuine, Drew Hill, Trina, 112, Montel Jordan. So... Let's just say it's stacked. And if you're a fan of 90s R&B, this is the festival. Now, the prices on here go from, I think for VIP is like, what, $250 to $450? And general admission is like $145 to $175. And they also have a payment plan. So it on paper, this thing looks amazing. It looks official. So when we saw this come on, when I saw this come on Twitter, I was like, man, this thing's look dope. Like, I have to go. I, I was like, go. sign me up. But the thing is, after it dropped, some of the artists on here were like, hey, um, nobody told me about this. This is fake. <laughs> like, um, Little Kim was like, uh, this is fake. She even posted the flyer and wrote a cross in red. This is fake. Mace said to take his name off. And Twista was like, um, the money never came. I never got the deposit, so I don't know who said it. I'm going to be performing at this thing. But then Snoop Dogg came out and was like, hey, I'm one of the promoters, and this thing is for real. It's going down. We're not quite sure if this thing is legit or not. And the fact that it has Lauren Hill is <laughs> a little questionable. Right? I'm like, you, the, the first name on there in bold is Lauren Hill. And I'm Miss just like. Lauren Hill. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, <laughs> it's, already, it's already sketchy to me. And in the middle of the flyer, it says Ja Rule. And we know that's questionable. Very questionable. But I'm like, with everything else, is like a lot of other artists were, you know, tweeting about it and po- reposting and say they were going to be there. But like, no, and, but there's a whole bunch of artists that say no. So we're not quite sure who, what to believe about this. So I think I'm going to wait it out a little bit and see if it's really official. If it is, I'm in there. Same. I think I'm going to do the same thing. I can't miss this. You know, this, is, this reminds me of the bad boy reunion concert that came like a couple of years back that was i was at that concert so that, much fun that was a dope concert and you would you have to be like a early 90s late 80s babies for you for to sure. actually enjoy that it's concert nostalgic yeah that was definitely a great concert but yeah going back to this lovers and friends festival um i don't know what do you guys think are you gonna wait and see do you think it's true are you gonna buy tickets 
Let us know. If you guys do the research, let us know. We want to know what you're going to do, too. We might do what you guys do. Okay, so I have a little bit of an update on the Lovers and Friends Music Festival. It seems as though Lil' Kim and Twista have both confirmed that they will be performing at the concert, and the festival itself has been extended to two days. So it's going to be on Friday, May 8th, as well as Saturday, May 9th. The bad news is, unfortunately, I just looked online and all of the tickets are completely sold out. However, there is a wait list up if you want to sign up for it and try your luck at getting a ticket for retail. However, those chances look slim. So if you were one of the lucky ones that was able to get a ticket at retail, congratulations. And for the rest of us, good luck and happy hunting. We're going to go ahead and head into our main topic, which is real world blues. Okay, so what does real world blues mean to you? Like, how do you define it? Okay, well, basically, it's when you get out of school and you start your career or your job, you know, that nine to five, and you kind of fall into a slump and get depressed and have like a lack of motivation. Okay, so to me, that sounds like burnout, which is how I relate real world blues to. And if you guys don't know what the symptoms of burnout are, which I think a lot of people are familiar with, but burnout is um, like you get depressed, you have a lack of motivation, exhaustion, slipping job performance, and this is all job related. So when you think about um, going to work and it's just, it just takes a toll on your body, you feel like you're doing the same thing, work, waking up, going to work, going home, feeling tired. These are Life the is mundane. Very mundane. And there's no motivation for you. You lose sight of your purpose. You lose motivation. There's no excitement. And I think that happens a lot when you're not passionate about your job. I agree. And I think this is why I feel like this is such a great topic for us to speak about. Because a lot of people our age, our demographic, I think go through this. A lot of my friends that I graduated with from pharmacy school... We all went and got the same job with the same company, but just like a few years later, I'm like five years, almost six years out from school, and everybody's not doing the same thing anymore. Everybody's spread out. We're all still pharmacists, but we're all in different fields now. Like, nobody works retail, except for you and me. (laughs) Yeah, we stayed. But, yeah, a lot of people ended up going back to school or switching careers or... Yeah, different companies. Yeah, and when I ask them why they they did it, everybody has the same reasoning as to why they got out of retail or got out of the same job that they were in. It's because they felt they were burning out and they felt they were waking up doing the same thing. There was no more passion. There was a loss of passion for the job. There's a lot loss of purpose, a lot of loss of motivation. So this is more common than you think it is. And I, and I hope that whoever listens out here don't think that you're the only one that feels that way because a yeah. lot of us go through this. I think it's something that most people probably don't talk about. Exactly. And which brings me to my own personal story about my experience with burnout. How I got to that point was uh, when I graduated pharmacy school, um, they put me in a very busy pharmacy. And within the year, I was the pharmacy manager. And with being a pharmacy manager, a very busy pharmacy, it's a, it's very chaotic. But the thing about it is I found refuge in working. I'm a workaholic. And for me to escape the stresses of my personal life, I went to work. So because you liked your job. I did like my job. I like working. I, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't say I like my job. It's just I like the money. 
and I think I feel that way about any job that I would have ever. I just like to to have to do something. I like being in control, and I feel like being being a a pharmacist in the retail setting, I am able to control a lot of things, which is the opposite of my personal life at that time because I couldn't control anything, which is why I found solace in working. Working for me gave me control, and to have control gave me peace. However, you know, there was a tipping point in which my personal life, I went through a breakup. To me, it was traumatic, a traumatic breakup at that time, which started to give me a lot of stress, which trickled into my work. Being cool-headed or being in control, the I had lack of control. You know, I lost control because of the stresses were so starting to trickle in. Your social life affected your work. Correct. Yes. Most people, their work affected their social life. Because I'm a workaholic, where I found my peace was disrupted by my personal life. So how did that go into burnout? Well, then I started to feel stressed about my job. You know, I didn't want to do it anymore. I felt like there was a point where I wanted to quit because... I was so stressed and overwhelmed at everything that was going on. I couldn't, I wasn't in control anymore just because of the things that were eating me up at home. And, you know, I got into a depression and at that point I didn't want to say I was depressed, but looking back at it, that's exactly what it was. I was depressed. I would go to work, go home. I wouldn't even sleep in my bed. I would sleep on the couch or sleep on, on my floor and I gained like 30 pounds because I did. Whoa. Yes, I gained 30 pounds. A in, lack of self-care right there. Yes, this is one of the one of the symptoms of burnout. I did. I didn't go to the gym. I literally went went home. I Uber eats everything, and I slept on the floor. Slept so you on the, lost the couch, control, which was something that's important for you. I lost control. I lost care. I I didn't care about anything. It was just to me. It was just like I have to go to work because I have to go to work. I have to show up. That's the only thing that I have to do. You know, my personal life was shit <laughs> to where I didn't have any, and I didn't care to have one. So I was very depressed. I didn't want to go anywhere. Didn't want to go out. Didn't want to socialize. To me, the only thing I had to worry about was going to work, and mm-hmm. going to work to me was just stressful because it was just. You know, I was just a robot. I was just going through the motions at work. and Okay, so we defined your real-world blues moment. So we're going to get back to how you overcame it, but I'll give you my story now. Okay, let's, let's hear it. Okay, so when I got out of school and started working my job, number one, I didn't really like it. I learned it really fast, and I got bored. And when you're in school... They tell you what to do, you know, like you pass this class, you pass this test, you move on to the next thing. Your schedule is always set for you. So I get out of school and it's like, okay, I go to work. I come home. I don't have to study for a test anymore. You know, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know who I was. Like I've been in school my whole life. I went straight through and I was just lost. So I got really depressed and I'm the type of person like I always have to challenge myself. I always have to set goals for myself and I didn't have a goal or any challenges at that point in my life. So I felt lost and that's kind of how I felt. And again, I didn't have passion in my job. Like it was just 
something I do, I make my money. And I'm not saying I'm ungrateful for my not. job or it's a great paying job. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. We're gonna be honest about that. And then the <laughs> other thing is like I try to explain how I felt to other people and they'll just look at me and like, Oh, you got everything. Like you're good. <laughs> so you just feel, you know alone. Alone. And alienated because you can't even really say anything because people are going to look at you funny because you have your stuff together. At, at that time, I probably was like 25, 26. My other friends Shame. didn't even know what they they were doing with their life. So how can you complain when you have a job and career and people are still in school or still trying to figure out their life? So that that's kind of my situation. It's definitely a mental thing. You know, I, I can totally relate to you is that you always have to have a goal. Like we, I always have to have a goal too. For it's sure, just like, yeah. I always have to keep moving, always have to keep moving. Maybe cause you know, as astrology, maybe cause I'm a Capricorn and we're, <laughs> we're mountain goats and we have to keep climbing this mountain forever. Oh, so you're bringing <laughs> up Zodiac. Wow. I'm impressed. You know, I learned a little something just talking. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I totally understand that you always have to set a goal because it keeps your mind going. It keeps your mind... It's like a mental exercise. Yeah. It's always stimulated. And yeah. I need that stimulation because... You have to find that passion in your life. It's very common because, like like you said, you know, you get to school, your goals are set out for you, but once you exit school, you don't have a goal. Honestly, you don't have a goal. You, yeah. just, you just hit one of the biggest goals of your life, which is graduating it feels like you're at the end of the road and you're like 25 26 yeah so you look at yourself like i have so many years of my life left this can't be it i cannot do this for the next 50 years all day every day from nine to five every other weekend and i think it's very common for people not to love their job especially when you pick a job when you're like 18 19 and 20 like, it, it's kind of crazy to me that we pick our whole life career that young. Like, who knows really what they want to do? Like, which is why, like, which is why I really am envious. I'm not envious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Envious of people that take that gap year. Yeah. Or, like, you know, take the time to explore themselves. Because they see the just, real world yeah, first. Exactly. You see what you what you want, what what is out there. You get to enjoy your life a little you bit. You learn you get yourself. To, you get to know yourself, know what you like. You know, first, I, I did the same thing as you. I went straight. You know, I went straight from 18 all the way to 25 when I graduated and did the whole thing. So when I got out of school, I was the same way as you. It was like, what do I do now? Like, I have this great job and, you know, and I didn't, there was nothing for me to do. I literally lived in the same apartment from when I was still in pharmacy school to like three years out of school because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I don't know how to rent another apartment. Like even the apartment that I had, somebody got it for me. It's crazy (laughs) that we spend so much time in school and we learn nothing to help us in the real world. Which is probably why this podcast exists. It's like, we learn nothing about adulting. I promise you. I could tell you shit, uh, shit about medicine all day tablets whatever any blood health pressure. disease yes but i can't tell you how to start my 401k i can't tell you <laughs> what a, what an ira is like i just learned that by the way <laughs> so that just goes That's to show whole you another episode <laughs> that is trust me there's a lot of things that i don't do like uh going to the doctor by myself i have to call my mom like uh tell my dad like 
what is my paperwork? <laughs> like, terrible. Are, it's I, terrible. And I'm a healthcare professional. You're, you have a doctorate. <laughs> I have, yes, I have a doctorate, but I can't tell you how to do simple things. Well, I'll say I know how to do it now, but when I got out of school, I, I promise you I did not know how to do any of that stuff at all. And then another thing with being in the real world is socializing. Like, our jobs are very antisocial. Like, we work by ourselves. You know, we don't have coworkers like that. So, Unless you work in the hospital. Yeah, and we don't. So, But in the retail setting, it's literally one pharmacist and a whole bunch of technicians. And the technicians... You know, they're going to look at you like you make a ton of money. Yeah. Why do I have to... I can't relate to you for nothing. Yeah. You know, but shout much. out to my technicians. We love you, though. <laughs> yes, we need you. You make the pharmacy go around. I have to put that out there. Yeah. But, yeah, it's very... Unless you are able to speak to another pharmacist outside of work, which is probably what I have with Deborah because we work overnight, so we actually have some free time to speak to each other. So then we can talk about these things and relate to each other. And, and when I spoke to her, that's when I realized... I'm not the only one that feels this way, yeah. you know? And then I, I think it might be even worse, like, when you feel that way and you're probably single or you, you don't have other people around. I think that makes it worse and you might feel lonely or alienated even more so. Right. And one thing that I didn't realize that affected me with burnout was not taking care of myself. Like, whether it be you do things in excess to try to overcome the the pains that you feel or the stresses that you feel, whether it be drinking too much or smoking too much or not going to the gym you or eating out. You start to compensate for your pain. Correct, you know. And and the thing with with your job is you when you start to make good money, you kind of indulge a lot because you're freely to indulge a lot in that stuff because you're able to. And it's just it's a spending, downward spiral. Spending that money on nice chicks, right? Why you have to put that on there? <laughs> if that's the case, then I'm probably still on burnout because that, that that's one part that has not changed oh, since wow. I got a pharmacy school. It's probably in excess more now than it's ever been. Oh Lord. <laughs> Sounds like you have some deep rooted issues going on. Um you have no idea. How long how long do we have on this podcast? <laughs> All right, let's let's switch to um how do you fix it? All right, so we just um, described our own personal experiences and stories about how we dealt with burnout in real world blues, and obviously you can—I don't know—you can tell, but we aren't in the same place that we were that we just described to you all. And it that journey to get from that point to where we are now wasn't an easy one, but it was a journey that we were able to make and overcome mm-hmm. the struggles of burnout. And I want to ask you, like, how did you overcome that feeling? I think, well, when I first started working pharmacy, I was in Naples for a year. And that place is not young people friendly. Um, I really made no friends over there because everyone was like married with kids or, you know, didn't really go out. So I felt like I was by myself. So I ended up eventually moved back home. And, you know, I had my parents there. I had a couple friends. So just having people to socialize with helped me feel better. Um, I started traveling, which is a big turnaround for me. That's something that became one of my hobbies. And I actually got into TV shows. I started watching Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones, and the rest was history. I was addicted to TV shows. So I think I just developed hobbies and things that I liked 
I, I, I started to learn who I was and what I liked and what I didn't like. And I think that was very important for me. I think um, something worth mentioning for you is that you don't you didn't have the same position in Naples as you do now. Oh, yeah, I was <laughs> I was a manager um, in Naples initially, and I had never worked retail pharmacy like I was research based in college and stuff. So it was it was a lot for me to handle at first to become a manager. And when I moved back home. I switched to overnight and got the seven on, seven off schedule, which is heaven and hell. (laughs) Very. But I love it. It gives me free time to do what I want or figure out what I want and what I want to do with my life. And the rest was history for me. And that is almost very relatable to my own story. I was also a pharmacy manager and a pharmacy manager of the busiest pharmacy in my district, which is actually the same pharmacy I work now. When I was going through my struggles with burnout, there was a point in my life that I felt like I I wanted to quit, honestly. I wanted to quit. I wanted to go somewhere else. I wanted to do something else. And luckily for me, at my tipping point, one of my overnight pharmacists told me, hey, I just want to let you know I'm going to leave. I'm going to quit. So the position is going to open up. I just want to let you know. And thankfully for me, that opportunity um, opened up and I wanted to tell my supervisor, I was like, hey, don't even post that, that job. I want to take it. I need to take the overnight position because I knew that it was going to be seven on, seven off. Like I'm going to get a whole week off. I just want to say I was the overnight pharmacist first. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, you know, my my situation is not a typical one. And I'm very, very lucky to have that opportunity. And that's this is why we're going to have this podcast is there's other ways for you to get past the burnout, you know, other, other than having to change your whole your whole job, your whole career. Right. Personally, for me, having the seven on seven off freed my time and it gave me a chance to breathe. It gave me a chance to get my life together, to go to the gym, to, you know, get my health in order, to cook my own food rather than having to Uber Eats everything. Within the first two months of me um, going overnight and having a week off, I took my first vacation. I never took a vacation. I didn't even have a passport. And I took my first solo vacation, went by myself and that four-day trip for me was the beginning of a new me and it gave me relief and it gave me traveling is like so important to our lives that that's probably going to be our next topic honestly yes use your pto like use that don't cash that out use it to its fullest use your sick days like Cash in on those, even if you're not sick, take a mental health day. Like, yeah. give yourself a break. You deserve that break. For sure. So work, we're going to... Work-life balance is so important. Very important. Very important. So we're going to go through a couple of tips that we feel is important that you can use to to try to combat burnout. And during my time, I think I use some of these tips too. And I think the first main, main one is therapy. Like, get therapy i honestly feel like if i didn't feel 
such a stigma about saying that I was depressed and I actually went to therapy, I wouldn't have been in that slump for so long. Yes, I understand I'm a healthcare professional, but mind you, I was 26, 27, just got out of school and I thought I was invincible. So there was no way for me to feel like I'm going to go get therapy. And I felt like it was telling myself I'm weak. But looking back on it now, like it wasn't weak. It's something that everybody goes through. And it's, it doesn't make you a weak person to say that you need help or you need you need to speak yeah, to someone, so a profession, someone, a professional to know. And I just want to say um, I've talked to people about this. And for my experience, the few times that I've been to therapy, I feel like I really didn't connect with the therapist. And I think that is important when you're telling someone like your personal thoughts and feelings that you connect with them. So. Don't just don't get discouraged if you go to a therapist and you don't connect with them. Like keep trying different ones. And I had this discussion with my friend the other day. Hey, Sharifa. (laughs) And we were saying that sometimes, you know, going to a therapist with similar background or culture as you could help you feel more comfortable. And I think that's the case for me. So I found this reference, which I want to share with you guys. It's called www.therapyforblackgirls.com and you're able to find black therapists in your area which i think is amazing and that's definitely a resource that i'm going to use in the future this is really important to have representation in therapy i totally understand that because i'm i think one of the reasons why i thwarted off therapy when i was going through my uh, my real world blues is because in school i had a psychiatrist but he was an old white man. I'm like, how does this old white man going to relate, relate. <laughs> to anything that I'm going through? And I could tell he couldn't relate. So honestly, I just said what I needed to say to him to get what I want from him. So that wasn't productive in helping me with my like with my mental status. But I feel like it is very important to have represent, representation. For, for sure. You got you to gotta find somebody who knows what you're going through. Of course. Um, so what's the next? I will say traveling for that we we just mentioned. Traveling is very important. Like traveling gets you uh, exposed to different cultures. And not only that, it, it exposes opens you to, your eyes. Gets you to know you, you. Gets you to know what you like, the foods that you like, the sights and cultures. S- yes, and... cultures. It opens up to so much thing. I promise you, that was like probably one of the biggest things. Um, that helped me get out of my slump. I started traveling a lot too, and traveling made me see so many things and enjoy, you know, my life and enjoy the things that I have and meeting new people. So it was great just yeah, to travel. This is definitely going to be our next topic for sure. We got to speak on this. <laughs> we'll leave that for next episode. What else can we talk about? Getting a hobby, watching TV, you know, getting involved in sports or. Uh, community service things in your community just being around other like-minded or your peers i agree getting a hobby like i said i went back and went to the gym i started going to the gym on a daily basis not only was it good for my health but you know it gave me a routine a schedule so it's almost like a little mini goal it's like i'm going to you know what I mean? Work on this part of my body or, or work this exercise. So it gives you these little goals to, for you to know to get up in the morning and have something to do other than going to work. Also setting goals for yourself, you know, like... Whether it be small or big. 
goals don't always have to be like side projects or making money or, you know, like it could also be learning yourself, you know, doing stuff that you love, doing hobbies to where it creates, Learn a new language. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be about yourself. Like uh, I think a lot of people, you know, forget about learning themselves or getting to know themselves, which is very important and it will lead you to where you need to be. I think another tip that you can use, which I was very skeptical of this until until you forced me to do it, was meditation and yoga. Yes. <laughs> I I always thought yoga was stupid. I always thought it was funny. I always made fun of yoga. And then Deborah took me to my first <laughs> yoga class. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Even the yoga, because I liked the yoga teacher. She was really nice. And she made me feel like I was doing so well, even though I knew that I was probably trash. Picking a good yoga teacher is so important. Because I hear a lot of people say they hate yoga. It's stupid. Like, you have to find the right. I was one of those people, honestly. And then we even started hot yoga, which is a whole different beast in itself. But when I got out of the yoga session, like, I felt freer. Like, I felt my mind was clear. I felt more at peace even we go into yoga with all this stuff in my head i went out of there and i I breathed a different air so moral of the story find what works for you what relaxes you what gets you in the right place and to do that you know i mean disconnect from your phone don't be on social media don't be on twitter don't be on instagram anything like that cut the phone off find peace find peace with yourself And then also, I think this is important and sometimes forgotten, but your perspective, like for a while, like I focused on the negative, like, oh, I don't like my job. I don't like my job. When, you know, I started traveling and I saw like not everyone is as blessed to have what I have. So I had to change my perspective and see like, okay, I might not like my job, but at least I have a job and it puts food on my table and a roof over my head. So I think that's important to change your perspective sometimes. All right. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up this podcast the same way we always wrap up all of our podcasts. And now we want to ask you about your experience and how you feel about real world blues or burnout. You know, if you went through it, if you were one of the lucky ones that's never been through real world blues or burnout, um, let us know how you dealt with it, what you went through. And then also let us know if you have any tips and tricks on how to overcome it, if you did overcome it. Yeah, I feel like this is, you know, this is something important that we should talk about. And if we do have tips, you should share because someone that's listening to this podcast can benefit from what you went through or benefit from the tips that you went through and how do you overcome it. Sharing is caring. Yes, it is. So, signing off, this is Chi, a.k.a. Percocet Poppy with my co-host Dev, aka Morphine Mommy. Well, thank you again for listening to Two Peas and the Pod. Ten four, over. Wow, <laughs> that was so corny. Yeah, you just Cut. messed up this entire podcast by saying that shit. Don't ever say that ever again. <laughs>